Uh, hey, welcome everybody. It is a privilege to be able to be talking with you all this morning. My name is Trevor. I am on staff here at Central Church as our youth director to 7th through 12th grade students. And I, I do want to try to empathize with you all a little bit this morning and kind of try to voice how you're all probably feeling is we lost an hour of sleep, right? We wake up and uh, it's dark for another hour uh, this morning than what we are used to. And, you know, you, you show up to church and you look up at the, up at the pulpit, worship, worship's great. You look up and you say, Hey, look, the youth pastor's teaching this morning. It's going to be a great morning, right? <laughs> Lost an hour of sleep. Let's get stupid up in here. All right. <laughs> Anyway, so that, that is who I am. Uh, Ryan is on vacation. Uh, he's getting back later this week, so please pray for him and his family uh, that he would make a safe return and ask him how his vacation was next time you see him next Sunday. But in the meantime, uh, again, I am here. We are going to be going through our Habits series. That is our five-week series that examines our five points of connection here at Central Church. They are on the walls around you here in the sanctuary, but to review, our five points of connection are to attend regularly, give generously, serve purposefully, connect relationally, and invite boldly in, in no particular order either. Um, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about attending regularly, and that is the habit of making church a priority. So, hey, you're all here. Great job. And it's, this is a tough morning to do this too. I, I've already uh, belabored that point enough, but that's attend regularly. And then last week we heard from Ryan about giving generously, and that is the habit of giving back from what God has given to us. And this morning we have an opportunity to talk about uh, the third point of connection, which is to connect relationally. And just to clarify what that is, and we have a tagline under each one, under each one of these points of connection— to connect relationally to us means the habit of experiencing life change by engaging in authentic relationships. So more specifically what that means is we have what we call connect groups here at Central Church. And this is our means of being able to connect relationally to other people who are doing uh, this, this Christian life alongside of us so that we can build each other up. And, well, I don't want to spoil too much because we'll talk about that here this morning, uh, what exactly that looks like. But uh, in general, we'll be talking through what connect groups are, why, why those exist, and more broadly speaking, why we need to connect relationally in our walk with God. So uh, with that being said here, lastly, I also want to address uh, something that can be kind of awkward is to hear from somebody on a Sunday who maybe you don't know who they are. You haven't really made their acquaintance yet. It can be challenging to really listen to somebody when you don't really know them for some people. So I thought I'd be helpful in this area by helping you get to know me. And I figured one of the best ways to do that is to share with you all a like traumatic childhood experience. Like that's like one of the best ways to get to know somebody, right? You seem you all seem uncomfortable with that, but we're doing it anyway. <laughs> so I grew up in uh, West Des Moines, Iowa. So I was a Valley Tiger. So coming to Carroll, I get to stay being a tiger. So I'm very comfortable identifying as as that variety of jungle cat. And uh, when I grew up in West Des Moines, I would define myself probably how many of us would in that I was pretty social. I was a pretty social kid, but like to a point. You know what that means? Like, you're, you're with me on that? So like basically like my, my mom would invite over, like in preschool, my friend Dan would come over and Dan uh, and I would be hanging out in the living room. My mom would leave, would leave us be for a second. She'd come back and like I'd be gone and Dan would just be like in the living room by himself and she'd go like, yo, where's... Where's Trevor? You know how you talk to kids. Yo, where's Trevor? And, you know, Dan would just like, 
I don't know. <laughs> so they'd, they'd go out to find me. I mean, I, they'd find me in the basement, like playing with blocks uh, by myself. <laughs> and because well, blocks are just really, really cool. And I guess I just had enough of people for that day uh, for whatever reason. Uh, but like that, that kind of was my, was my mode of operations. Like I was hanging out with people until I was like, ah, okay, I'm going to kind of go do my own thing now. Fast forward to kindergarten and like first grade kind of in that area. Uh, so I've got like my established group of friends. I've got my tight uh, group there. And one day at recess, I remember this happening. Uh, I'll give you some more context. So there was a new kid who, who came in uh, kind of in the middle of the school year. Y'all remember like how weird that was when like the school year's off and running and then you show up and there's just like a, a new guy there, like just sitting in the desk, like nothing's the matter with that. It's like, what, what is happening right here? Uh, and I remember uh, out at recess, uh, there was this new kid and a bunch of my friends were over there like talking to the new kid. And so I saw that and they were, they're doing this like on, on the playground. And actually we have a picture. I found this and this is like almost an exact like repli- replica of the playground I had uh, growing up uh, at elementary school when I was a kid. So this is perfect to be able to paint this picture. So I want you to, to imagine with me that there's like a group of like little, like short little first graders kind of underneath the bridge, like kind of by that red slide right there in the middle of that picture. And I see that and I've, I'm faced with an option. I can go up and I can talk uh, to that kid and introduce myself and kind of get to know him, welcome to the school. But I didn't choose to do that. What I decided to do was I needed to kind of hang back and gather some intel. I, I needed to kind of size this kid up before I, before I waded into this, this new situation. I needed to make sure this kid was up to snuff. So what I decided to do was I got on top of the play equipment. I climbed up onto the bridge there uh, next to the creepy CGI kid. Um, but just picture like little like five-year-old Trevor is up there and he's leaning up against the rail and he's incognito, by the way, like stealthed his way up there, like unseen, unnoticed completely. And just like, like spying down on this group and just like, what gives this kid the right? Like, look at him in his shirt and his whatever. I don't know what I was saying at the time, but I was spying down on this kid from the bridge and uh, I want to paint a little bit more of a picture for you here. So it was, it was a, like a hot day. It was probably like uh, early in the school year and I was wearing jorts, which is what you do when your parents dress you at that age. You, you wear, and for any of you who don't know, jean shorts. If you don't know what jorts are, you're in good shape, but now you know. So, so wearing jorts, and I was pressed up against the bars of this bridge. So I was like leaning over. My legs were pressed against the bars of the bridge. It's a very hot day. My legs are really sweaty. So what happens simultaneously is uh, my, my knees, both of them, pop in between the bars. Yeah, empathy. I love it. <laughs> pop in the knees of the bars of this, of this bridge. So you picture this. And, I just, and I'm stuck. And I can't pull my knees out of this bridge. I can't move. And I start screaming, and that's when my, my, you know, my cover's blown. My friends look up to me, and they're like, Trevor, what are you doing? I'm going, help! <laughs> like, I'm going up for help because I'm like, I'm going to be here forever. This is terrible. And the teachers come running up, and that's great because they know exactly what to do, and they're there to help you. And I remember one of the teachers, like, they're trying to pull me out, and they're trying to be careful about that. And one of the teachers says, like, oh, we got to call the fire department and cut them loose. She was talking about the bars of the bridge. I thought she was talking about my legs. I was getting both my legs amputated. This is a terrible day. I'm making a terrible first impression on this new kid by the way. Like, this is not a great start to our friendship. Um, 
eventually the way that situation was, was, was resolved, resolved was that, um, and keep in mind, this is like the responsible adults who like know everything. Like they got like a little, like little tub of butter from like probably the teacher's lounge or something. And they like lathered my, my knees up in butter, just slide me back out of there. And it worked out. I was hysterical, but it, it worked out okay. But <laughs> the reason that I tell you that story is because I think that five-year-old Trevor knew something that a lot of us also know, and that's that connecting to people is hard, and if given the option, we'd probably prefer not to do it. Like, maybe some of us would rather get our legs amputated than go to a new networking opportunity or something. I don't know. You tell me. But... Um, <laughs> I'm going to repeat that. Connecting to new people is hard, and we'd probably prefer not to do it if given the option. So if you ask me, of the five points of connection we talk about here this morning, I think that connecting relationally is one of the hardest and asks in in some way or another the most of us because it, it does two things. And there are two barriers that we'll set us uh, ourselves up with this morning for why it's difficult to connect relationally. The first thing is uh, it takes up our unobligated time. And what I mean is like you can serve faithfully on a Sunday morning and you can kind of kind of be faithful in that and do that. You can like it takes only a second to invite a friend to come to church. But to connect relationally takes a lot of time. Like we're Midwesterners. Have you ever seen us try to leave a room? It takes like 45 minutes and you've got your, your hand on the, the door handle for, for forever. And that, that, that's not pain I'll have to recount uh, here for you all. But me, hanging out with people takes a lot of time. And a lot of times we have just better things we'd like to do. For me in preschool, it was going down in the basement and playing with blocks by myself. I got important things going on. I got to do that. Sometimes uh, it's, it's being really consumed with work or we have other responsibilities we're responsible for in the house or it's a Netflix show we're binging through, whatever that looks like. We're busy people, however you slice it. And that leads us into our second barrier too, is that not only are we busy people, but uh, the second barrier we have is we're uncomfortable interacting with new people. I'm even pretty extroverted and I, I, it's putting yourself out there to go out and and put yourself in in a, in a new setting and meet new people because, you know, there, there's this uncertainty there to it. Like I go up there and maybe, maybe I'm not going to be the biggest fan of them. Maybe they're going to smell bad or they're going to be weird or they're going to be both of those things and they're a Packers fan. And that's a whole other thing there too. But the, on the flip side of that, I don't really want to make light of this either is that a lot of us have some pretty legitimate fears when it comes to connecting to new people. Like we turn down on ourselves and maybe they won't like us or maybe they'll, they'll see through me or I won't be accepted. And if we're also being honest, a lot of us in this room, this is an uncomfortable subject because a lot of us have been burned by people before. And maybe we've even been burned by groups of people in the church. And that's a really legitimate thing that just can't be minimized. Like that is a, I am sorry if that is you, like honest, honestly, if like, from the bottom of my heart and on, the, on behalf of the church, that is a terrible thing and it's something that needs to be reconciled. But no matter how we look at it from that perspective, one of the things that we need to consider is that despite all of that, what we'll learn this morning is that God sees connecting relationally as a non-negotiable and it it's going to help us grow. So in other words, we were designed for connection. Like that's how God created us was to need correction or excuse me, connection. And by the way, like 
Uh, this isn't just God that's saying this, too. Oftentimes, I think we feel like science and the Bible contradict each other, but in so many ways, they don't. And one of those areas is in the need for connection. Science and the Bible agree 100% when it comes to our need to be uh, in community with each other. So I found a quick excerpt from an article uh, written by uh, the Mayo Clinic. Uh, specifically, a doctor over there was being interviewed on this topic. And uh, this is what the excerpt says. I'll read it to you verbatim. It says, We are social creatures by nature, and we tend to function better when we're in community and around others. Socializing not only staves off feelings of loneliness, but helps sharpen memory and cognitive skills, increases sense of happiness, and may even help you live longer. In-person connection is best. So I, th- I don't think a lot of us would disagree with that. I think that deep down we know that, like, yeah, like, connection's important. Like, we get it. But we'll be able to explore that more and, and see exactly what God has in mind for us when we're talking about connecting to people and what is in store for us when we do take that step. So just a preview for this morning. We're going to be in Galatians 5. Okay, so if you have a Bible, if you have your phone, a Bible app, go ahead and pull that out. Open up to Galatians. It is in the New Testament after First and Second Corinthians, and it's just before Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. If you want to follow along, then that is great. I will also be in Ecclesiastes 4 this morning. So we're going to be listing off uh, four different things that we are assured to happen when we connect uh, with those around us in the church. And then we'll close with some application and uh, taking some action and next steps. So I would just encourage you this morning to try to posture yourself so that you'd be ready to receive this word. I, I pray that you would and that um, afterwards, we'd be ready to actually go out and, and, and do something about it and be able to put ourselves out there. But before we do that, I want to make sure that we have the same foundation, as Ryan often likes to say, the same kind of starting point for what we mean when we say connect. We, we talked about our slogan for what it means to connect relationally. It's right over there in that wall. But I want to get a little bit more detailed and say that this is what we mean when we say uh, connect. Like, what does it mean to connect? Uh, the definition that we have put together here is to connect means when you're consistently meeting with a group of people who are committed to seeking Jesus and practicing the one another's together. I'm going to elaborate on that. But to seek Jesus means just to prioritize Jesus in your life and to be actively living for him, to have a group of people that that is their priority to learn about Jesus and grow more and more like him. But the other thing that we look at is uh, this thing that has been kind of coined as the one another's. And that's any time in Scripture that we are uh, given the will of God to do something for one another or be something with one another. And they're right up here. We're going to revisit that here in a second. But if you just quick scan through that, like this is the will of God for us that when we're in community, we'd be doing these things together. And this is our hope for what connect groups would look like, a place where all of this is true. And that would be true increasingly. So with that as our understanding, if we know that to connect is when we're consistently meeting with a group of people who are committed to seeking Jesus and practicing the one another's together, that's what we're shooting for here. And that's what we mean when we say connect. Sound good? We're all same page there? Awesome. Love it. Blank stairs are great. Let's go. Oh, (laughs) All right, Galatians 5. We're going to start in verse 13. If you're there with me, I'd love it if you'd follow along, but it'll also be on the screen with us. Galatians 5:13 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. 
But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So as we see this written in Scripture, we see it, uh, and, and Paul's being very uh, distinct and, and um, intentional about this, is we see it twice, that we are commanded to love and serve each other and to do that uh, as a group. And what I notice happens here, and I think this is really, really intentional, if I were to be writing this, um, we'd all be in trouble. But if, if, if I were to be writing this, I would probably juxtapose free, uh, freedom to indulge the flesh. And like when we're talking about indulging the flesh, that's just a fancy word for when we're doing something that is running the opposite direction of God and we're doing what we want to do as opposed to what God wants us to do. Um, I, would, I would juxtapose that with uh, use your freedom, uh, or, sorry, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather I would have said like, uh, you know, walk with God or, or, or pursue Jesus or something like that. But I think Paul's really intentional about using this phrase to juxtapose indulging the flesh when he says, serve one another humbly in love. Like what he's doing there is he's equating walking in the spirit with walking in community. That, that to Paul is just interjoined and you can't really separate those two things. That's really, really important for us to understand as we continue to move through Galatians here. But I just want to make sure we highlight that. And I'll say that again. Walking with the Spirit uh, is hand-in-hand with walking in community. So I really, really hope we're on the same page with that as we continue to go. But our first point this morning is this. When we connect, we're being obedient to God. So when we connect, we're being obedient to God. And this is also verified in John 17. You don't have to turn there with me. It'll be up on the screen um, but this is uh, from, you know, just to, to paint the picture here, we've got Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying to the Father before uh, he is arrested and taken to be crucified. So this is kind of his, his, his final words before he goes and begins to endure that for us. And this is what he says. He prays, my prayer is not for them alone. And when he says them, he's referring to his disciples, those he'd been, he's been walking with. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So isn't that kind of cool to be able to read that and know that when he's talking about future believers, he's talking about the future church. That's us. Wow, crazy. Um, this is the reality here too, is that when Jesus is praying for unity in believers and he's praying that we'd be united with him, we can know that when we're pursuing connection in a connect group or here at church or whatever that looks like to connect, uh, we're bringing great joy to Jesus in that he's, he's seeing his prayer being answered, right? 
Like we love it when we see our prayers answered and we pray for healing and that happens or we, we pray for uh, something else incredible to happen and then it just miraculously happens. Like that's what we get to bring joy to Jesus in when we choose to take a step and connect relationally. And the other thing that we can be assured of, we've talked about that connecting is hard and that it's taking a step out of your comfort zone, right? But when you go to a connect group, when you pray with somebody else, when you like open up in a way that you haven't before about something that you just are feeling stuck in, that's an exhausting thing to do. But what we can know is that when we go home that night, when we hit the pillow, we can do it knowing that we've brought pleasure to God because we've taken a step of obedience to him. And there's just some comfort in that, right? There's some comfort in knowing that the creator of the universe and the creator of us is watching us do something and he's, and he's given us an attaboy. He's, he's saying that's, that's what I've designed for you to do. So that's the, that's our first point again is when we connect, um, we, uh, we, we are being obedient to God. We're going to keep going now. Uh, Galatians 5. We're going to jump over to verse 16 now and we continue with Paul writing this. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. So again, the desires of the flesh are what we desire when we're separated from God, or like to, to, to love the things that Jesus died for, right? And that is when we're looking at this reality of that we're, we're falling short. We know that we're, we're running the other direction from God, but that when we walk by the Spirit, we no longer do the things that we want to do, but do what God wants us to do. So that what that means is, and this is point number two, when we connect, we begin to value what God values. Because we see when we're walking in the Spirit, which if we're still on the same page, to walk in the Spirit means to walk in community, right? When we're walking in the Spirit, God aligns our desires and changes our heart to love the things that He loves and to want that for ourselves and for those around us. And what we see happen here is that God loves and values community. So it's kind of this like this like upward spiral, if you will. And I know a lot of us in here might be thinking like maybe you are taking steps with God and you, and you are in your devotionals and you're in the word every day and, and you do feel like you're taking these steps, but you're isolated. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't really need community to take steps in God, but I think scripture would beg to differ. And I'm gonna uh, go to a couple of points here. Okay, that, that I think would would support uh, that claim. So first, I'm going to go over to Ephesians four. Uh, this is another letter to the church from Paul. Uh, Ephesians four, uh, verses two through six. It says this: Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So what Paul is describing there is that to be connected to God, like there is one God and one spirit and one faith that we can connect to, and we are inseparably connected to everybody else who's connected to that. It's like, it's like the center of a spider web, right? Like there, we are intertwined. Like there, we don't have a choice that to be connected by God uh, or connected to God 
we are connected to those who are also connected to God. Like that is how he has designed us in what is called like, you know, the body of Christ. That The church is meant to be kind of this body that, that moves and works in unity with each other. And that is this picture that we get of what God wants for the church to be. Not just a group of people who sit in the same room and and do this and then they kind of go and they go their separate ways. But that we'd be united in our day-to-day lives as we all run towards Christ together, right? So if you've been tuning out a little bit, this one um, is, I, I, this, this is a big one right here. This is, this is one that I, I think is just so important for us to hit this point home. And this is coming from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 10 to 11. It says this, He, and he means Jesus, so Jesus died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So as we see this, and back in verse 10, what do we see that Jesus died for? We see that he died so that not only would we be with him, but we'd be together with him uh, in eternity, right? In eternal life, that thing that Jesus laid down his life for, for us, that we wouldn't just be like just one-on-one with him. We'd be in community, worshiping God together. Like that's, that is what God values. And Jesus believed in it so much that he endured the cross for that. He endured the cross to make that kind of community possible for us. So what we're challenged with when we, when we see this is if this is what our hope is and this is what we are looking forward to, then why aren't we practicing that as much as we can right now? Like we're, we get to look forward to worshiping together and celebrating victory and being a part of this party that never ends and we can begin to get, I'll use a pretty churchy word here, like a foretaste of that. Like right now, we get to meet in groups of people and celebrate what God's doing in our lives and worship him and open up about the things that we're struggling with so that we can begin to continue to grow more and more towards God together until that day comes. So for that reason, you know, if, if we have that as our goal, we're, we need to practice that, right? Like we, we need to practice what we are uh, moving towards here. And I want to, I want to I wanna jump over to Ecclesiastes four here, and and this is the other kind of uh, scripture that I, I referenced at the very very beginning that we'd be spending some time in here. This is in the Old Testament. This is uh, written by somebody called the Teacher. Many believe this to be Solomon, somebody who God gave just this immense wisdom to. And we get to read from uh, what Ecclesiastes says here, starting in chapter four, verse seven, and it says this. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For who am I toiling, he asked, and and why am I depriving myself of this enjoyment? This too is meaningless and a miserable business. So this is a cautionary tale. This, This is somebody at the end of their life saying, I worked and strived and toiled for wealth my entire life, and I thought this is what was meaningful, but I got to the end, and it says, I had no son or no brother, and basically that's saying, like, I had nobody around me, because I was valuing so much of something else that come the end of my life, I didn't have that community that is so desired after. So I want to paint another picture here. So um, raise your hand here if you remember uh, Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese? 
Yeah, okay, that scared me for a second. I was like, oh, I hope you know what I'm talking about. So Chuck E. Cheese was me and my friends jam growing up, okay? Like we, we would go out to, to Chuck E. Cheese and, you know, the animatronics weren't scary to us yet because we didn't, we just weren't very wise in, in, in that sense. Um, but the, the, the thing that you do at Chuck E. Cheese, right? You would, you'd see that glass case filled with prizes and filled with all those like amazing looking things. Like up on the wall, you'd have like the, the teddy bear, the big teddy bear that uh, is probably like worth like $8, but you'd spend like $50 worth of coins to get that thing. And, you know, you went and played skee-ball and like, you stink at skee-ball. You keep aiming for the top slot right there and you keep missing, but like you didn't let that stop you. And, you know, you, you played, you played skee-ball and, and your goal was to, was, was to get that thing. So let's say like, you know, you, you play skee-ball, you, you play a game of that and you like, you get a ticket and you're like, yes. I'm on my way. You go over to like that, like, I don't remember what it's called, but that like game where like the light like spins around and you're supposed to like hit it like right when it's like when the lights in, like, in the middle of those like little like goalposts, those prongs. And like the game's rigged too. Like I didn't learn that until later. I was really disappointed about that. But like it's, you can only get it like every so often. But man, when you hit in those goalposts and then like, like the, the 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 tickets start like spilling out and they start like doing this and like all the other kids gather around they're like whoa you did it and like there's a lot of celebration you like bring like all these tickets up to the counter and you just like picture this is like way longer because I think this is like a pathetic amount of tickets uh, relative to Chuck E Cheese but you you take your tickets up to the counter and you slap them down on the on the on the case and you're like give me the best thing you got and like they're like okay kid and they and they and they take your tickets I don't know what to do with these and they and they take your tickets and they say here's a slinky. Push this down some stairs. It's gonna be great. Or like they they give you the little like the little like pop socket thing, the thing where you like you like you like push it in and you put it on the table and you wait. <gasps> that was so cool. And you go to do it again and, and you, you you do it, you like bend it again and like tears a little bit and it's broken now and like you're like, well whew, that's what I worked for, huh? Like that was what all of my toil was for. I, I spent hours in this place and like all this culminates in this. And what I think we, we need to be cognizant of and aware of is that I think Ecclesiastes and the author of Ecclesiastes is talking about this as the thing we need to be wary of is getting to the end of, of this life. And like we worked and worked and toiled at like this job that is like, oh, it's making such a difference in the world. Like I, I, I need to put so much energy in this job or into this endeavor or that endeavor, or whatever. I don't have time to go to connect groups because I got all this stuff going on. But we, we get to the end of it and we turn in those tickets and we go, oh, like we, we, we missed it. Right? Like, yeah, I, I've got Jesus in my heart, but this community that, that, and this, and this life to the full that, that God had for me in living in community with other people, with the body of Christ, I, I, I didn't quite go after what God was, was valuing. That, that's point number two here is when we connect, we begin to value what God values. And our tagline for this, for this message here is, um, what we value will ultimately determine uh, what we do, right? I, I want to adjust that a little bit to say what we value will ultimately determine what we become at, at, at the end, right? Like if, if we're isolated and we're, we're not connected and we're without support, there's a long way to fall. And that's what Ecclesiastes continues to say. And by the way, too, the question we're asking here is, you know, what, what are you, like, I don't want to keep this hypothetical. Like, what are, what are we all valuing? Because we all have something, right? 
What are, what are we valuing ahead of spending life in community with other people who are seeking to love and obey Jesus? What are we putting ahead of that, right? We, we need to... We, I don't want to have this be a time of condemnation. That's, it's not a time to beat ourselves up and do that. It's simply a time just to take an inventory of that and say, okay, God, like, what... What is that thing? Like, if, if, I've, if I've put my life in you and I've trusted in you, but I'm not a long community, like, why is that? What am I putting ahead of that? Especially since you seem to put that on such a high pedestal for what you want my life to look like, right? So we're going to keep reading in, um, uh, well, actually, we're going to skip back over to Galatians here, uh, Galatians 5, uh, 22. We have two more points here. We're going to go through them pretty quick. Um, but our third point is this, when we connect, we bear fruit. And, and we're going to read this in uh, Galatians 5, skipping down to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So if we're talking about walking in the Spirit, being walking in community, what begins to happen with that is we begin to build each other up so that we begin to show fruit in our lives. We are able to start loving more effectively. We're, we're, we're able to start having more self-control, and we have people speak into our, our, our lives and our hurt and our addictions and whatever that looks like, and we get to build each other up. And we see that even played out. In uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, this is uh, a really popular, kind of often quoted passage of Scripture. But uh, it's the one that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. But here's one thing I want us to notice about this. And this is, this is my own kind of biggest fear in giving this kind of message, is that so many of us would feel like, okay, I'm going to go to a connect group. We'd go there. You know, we'd kind of be present there. We'd like listen and go like, oh, yeah, cool. We'd like go home. We come back, we're just kind of checking off a box. But what I want us to notice about what happens here is that for iron to sharpen iron, it takes exertion, right? It takes friction and effort, and it really takes um, a lot of um, work to be able to do that. It's not a passive process. And we also, at the beginning of our time here this morning, we looked at something called the one another's. I want to put that back up in the screen here just for us to look at this. Um, this is, you know, you, you can all read just fine, but love one another, be devoted to one another, serve one another, bearing with one another, confess your sins to one another, encourage one another. Like how many of these sound passive? Like none of them, right? And I think that's where, that's, that's where the worry is that so many of us don't get something about community because, uh, we're also called to put forth some effort and some work. We all know that relationships take work. You don't need to hear that from me. But so often I think we fool ourselves into thinking that community is not effective when really we haven't really been putting that step forward, right? And that's what God tells us to do is in order to bear fruit and to be sharpened, we really need to be bearing with each other and doing life together, which does take a lot of work and intentionality. And we see that uh, in Ecclesiastes as we uh, draw closer to the end here. Ecclesiastes 4, we're continuing in verse 9, and it says this. It continues to push this point home. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. 
Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So again, this, this looks like hard work together and intentionality and really, really doing life together so that none of us are, are, are getting cold or falling down and staying down the ground or, or easily overcome. We've got people who can help us to uh, defend ourselves, to pick ourselves up, and to, what was the middle one there again? Keep warm. That's right. That was close. Uh, and that leads us into our fourth point here. Um, when we connect, we, we know that we bear fruit, but when we connect, we also have support. And that's what Ecclesiastes 4 is talking about here. You know, none of us are strangers to this. We know that all of us are walking through valleys, dark valleys, all the time, right? Life is, life is not a cakewalk. And, and if we're looking around here, we know so many people in this room are walking through some tough stuff right now. And unfortunately, if we're not walking through tough stuff, it's probably coming, right? Like that's the reality of, of where we're at. But what we're, what we are encouraged to do here is to seek out these Ecclesiastes for caliber friends or Ecclesiastes for friends so that when those trials do come up, we have people to help us to hold our ground. Um, valleys can look different for different people. Like for me, a valley can look like, you know, um, it can be pretty intimidating to move into a new town where I, I don't really know anybody. And then to, to put myself into a, a youth ministry, like whew, middle schoolers speak the truth, right? And sometimes that can be discouraging. <laughs> but at my worst even, um, I, I'm left to question if, if, if I'm really up to snuff at this, if I'm going home on a Wednesday and I feel like I have failed so many students. Like they needed to, to hear the word of God and to be in connection and, and I failed them. And at my worst, especially, I begin to wonder if this is really the, God, the calling that God's got for me. And the enemy loves that when we begin to wrestle with those questions, right? And when we're not in community, when we're isolated, that's when the devil can attack us the most. In fact, that is, that is our enemy's goal, is to get us by ourselves that way that he can tear us down. We are most easily taken down, as Ecclesiastes 4 says, when we are isolated and by ourselves. And that's why, in this room, we are called to pursue Ecclesiastes for friends. We all need this. Uh, not just lukewarm Christian peers, but Ecclesiastes for friends who will do life with us. So hey, I want to I want to close this out here. Um, Claudia is going to begin to come back up, and we'll be able to end our time in worship together. But I want to summarize here with saying: when we're when we're connected, we know four things. We know we're being obedient to God. We begin valuing what God values. We bear fruit, and we have support. Like these these are the things that when we take that step, when we get out of our comfort zone, we do that. We can have faith in God that in doing so, these things begin to flourish from that. So I want to leave us with two questions here. I want to give us some space to really consider these things, okay? The first question is on the topic of an Ecclesiastes for a friend. Is that somebody who you are called to be right now or is that somebody who you need? So in other words... Are you in a spot where you know you're isolated and you know you need people who can come around you and speak truth into you and see in you what God sees in you? Is that what you need right now? Or if you're on your feet and you feel pretty good and you're like, I've got a pretty good handle on this, what, what I would probably encourage you to say is that 
whoever's next to you in church right now or in this room or at work or wherever that is needs an Ecclesiastes for a friend who will take that step of intentionality and be that for them with the power of God. And I think that applies to every single one of us in this room. We know we need to be both, but in this moment right now, which one do you feel more called to be? Which one is that for you? And the second question is this. If we know the importance of community, what barrier, value, or fear is holding you back from connecting relationally? So if it's like a, if it's a barrier, like it's, I don't have enough time. Like I seriously have some time constraints where I am straight up just too busy or the distance I have to travel or transportation, or I've got kids or or whatever that looks like. If that's a barrier for you, we need to work on naming that. Maybe you're here at church and you're like, I don't even know what connect groups are meeting. We'll talk about that here in a second. And hopefully we can tear down that barrier together here this morning. But if it's a barrier, we need to identify that and work with God to remove that. If it's a value where we've been working towards something that is not community with God's people, then we need to, we need to identify what that is that we're placing ahead of that and, and, and try to, try to adjust that in our lives. And also, like, if you're, if you're somebody in here who doesn't know Jesus too, that would be my, another prayer I have for you is that if you're somebody who's been striving and working and you know that this is a community that you want, but you, you don't know Jesus, that, that is my prayer for you that we would know that we have a God who took on flesh, who died on the cross for us so that we would be able to have life to the full in community here on earth and in eternal life where we didn't have to earn it. He paid that sin. For, he paid that debt for us. So that, that, that's, that's my prayer for us here is that uh, we'd remove barriers, we'd, we'd identify and remove values, and lastly, we'd identify whatever fears exist when we talk about connecting uh, relationally. So we, we talked about this before, but like if I go and put myself out there, like they're going to know. If I, if I go and sit down in a group of people who they all got their Bibles and they're, and they're buttoned up, and they're, like, they're going to look at me and, and they're going to see right through me. And, and, and they're and they're going to judge me, and they're going to cast me out of their community. They're going to leave me out, and and that's that's something where many of you that's a reality that you've experienced before, and you're saying I'm not ready for that again. I don't want to get burned again, like just 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 not again. I'm not ready spiritually or emotionally, and whatever that fear is, I just want to encourage you with this: is that God knows, like God sees you, and He wants to sit with you in that. Those are, le- those are legitimate things that we need healing from. And we have, we have a God who can relate. We have, we have a God who, in the form of Jesus, did community here together with us. He could have, like, think about it. Jesus could have been on earth and just zap, 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 and could, and could have healed everything. But he did community with us because he knew that was the best thing for us. And he wanted to model that for us. And that uh, he died for us believing that that is... Um, what he wants to help us to to find. So what we get to do here is on the topic of practice, we get to practice this together now. We get to sing one more song of worship, and we get to practice what it's like to sing worship in community with each other. So we'll close out in that. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to come back up and just give us um, a quick rundown on, on what our next step can be. So I'm going to pray. Holy Father, thank you so much for giving your Holy Spirit in this room. I pray, Lord, that any true word that was said today, this this morning, that you would implant that in our hearts, 
and God, you would just move us to take a next step in you. Lord, I pray that you'd get your glory through all of us here in this room and that you would you would mobilize us to be able to be a group of people taking our next steps, not isolated, but together. So, so Lord, help us to to grow in, in worship together, to, to lift this worship to, worship up to you this morning and get your glory. Lord, we ask all this in your name. Amen.